You're listening to the Brand Builders Podcast with your hosts, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. Welcome to another episode of the award-winning Brand Builders Podcast powered by the Dunstan Group. My name is Brian Young, and we are here with the president of the Dunstan Group, Scott Dunstan. And we are here with part of the Group 40 crew, Matthew Davis, Wesley Kasaya, and Matthew Presley. Uh, and let's talk a little bit about Ground 40 and really what that means. So this is based on on uh, on 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 creating an issue with bad habits, addiction. What are things that challenge you on a daily basis? And all of those things can be completely different. But what happens when drugs get into your life, affect you, and honestly can get you to the point of death? There are people that need to be there. There are people there that need to help you. And I want to share this passage. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and he heard me cry. He lifted me out of my semi-pit, out of the mud and mirror. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Blessed is the one who trusts the Lord. And I can't believe, or I, I believe that even more now that I have you guys sitting here. And I'm so excited to talk a little bit about Ground 40, talk a little bit about your experiences with addiction, I'll talk a little bit about your experience with Jesus Christ and how that all ties into not only creating a life for, that you want to live, but a life that your family has. So Ground 40 is an organization that helps men transition back into their communities after being in the grip of addiction and even crime, prison, family separation that comes with that. And really, they, they're here to provide practical and spiritual guidance through discipleship. And I think all of that ties in. And it's amazing that you guys have gone through this, and now you're there to help others that go through it. So thank you, Matthew, Wesley, and Matthew, for joining us on the uh, Brand Butters podcast. And let's learn a little bit more about Ground 40. Welcome, guys. Thank you for being here. Great Absolutely. intro, Brian. That was pretty nice. Um, yeah, that yeah, was yeah. nice. I think he did it for us. I'd, I'd like to dive right into it. And probably, Wesley, with you being the executive director of the group, I'd love to hear a little bit more about your background, what led you to where you are today, leading this great organization. And and from there, talk a little bit about how Ground 40 got started and, and where you've come. Okay. Uh, so... Man, it's a it's a it was a it's a long road. It's a long road to get where we are, and we're still in the process of trying to figure out what God's called us to to fully do. But uh, in that and in, in this season right now, He's got us at ground forty. I'm the executive director, and I got Matthew and Matthew with me today. But it, uh, I have a heart for people who struggle with addiction or incarceration or a criminal background because I I myself was uh uh privy to all those things. My father was an alcoholic. My mom was an enabler. And I grew up in a home um, where I was destined to be what I become, a heroin addict by the time I was 18 years old. And for 10 or 11 years, I battled with addiction for heroin, um, from crack cocaine, methamphetamines. Uh, and then it led me to be incarcerated more than 82 times. Uh, and then I heard the gospel of Jesus Christ inside the Union County Jail uh, in a life skills program, uh, surrendered my life to Christ, got out of jail and realized that I had led a lot of people to the gates of hell and I had a duty to go back and try to rescue as many as I could by way of the cross, by the gospel of Jesus Christ, by that proclamation. Uh, met with a guy who started Ground 40 in 2016. His name was Christopher Guffey uh, and he had halfway houses that were strategically placed throughout Charlotte. Uh, and we decided that you know, just the transitional part wasn't enough. These men needed to be discipled. They needed to be taught. They needed to be trained up to then go back into the transitional piece of it. So we started in Monroe. We started a farm, a six-acre farm, where we take guys out of prison, out of recovery, out of homelessness, out of hopelessness. Uh, some men who have went into active service and come back, and they're 
Their minds have just been warped with what they've seen. It causes a lot of psychological issues. And uh, the secular world likes to uh, suppress feelings like this with medication, and inherently it turns into addiction. Uh, it's nobody's um, fault. Anybody caused it intentionally, but it did happen. So now we're at a place where we, we can help all aspects and all walks of life. We're not here for the uh, guy who committed murder 20 years ago and that's it that's it alone we're not here for the guy who's been struggling with addiction for two years five years and we're not here just for the homeless guy we're here for any man who wants to get back on their feet and their families we don't just focus on the person like most programs do where they pull the person out of their problems they help fix the person then they stick the person right back in the problems we uh we open our doors to their children their wives their girlfriends um the mothers of their children their moms their fathers cousins, anybody that we can, and we do that by, we have five meetings a week called Thirst Quenchers. So we don't want to really bring everybody out to our six-acre farm because it's just not big enough. So what we do is we've partnered with uh, churches like Lee Park, Eastside, Community Baptist in Locust, um, Benton Heights in Monroe, Crestview, and we open the doors of those churches up and we teach on a corporate level what we teach these guys on a personal level, biblical application practical and spiritual guidance great you can you can memorize scriptures good deal what do you do with that that's what we try to teach these guys and christ had a heart of servant servitude so that's what we teach these guys in our program is we go back out and we do community service like scripture tells us to to the widows and the orphans in our community we try to take care of the least of these the ones who can't really take care of themselves. and we take that heart of selfishness for these guys for myself and for our staff and we turn it into a heart of servitude and it kind of breaks down the walls of addiction and instant gratification because now we're doing for other people. And I think it's been pretty successful uh, for God's glory, for God's glory alone, because we're a bunch of misfits. Uh, the whole staff is a bunch of misfits. The whole <laughs> staff has uh, been recovered through addiction by way of the cross. In Jesus' name, we have been uh, redeemed and been put in this place right now that we can show other people that it's achievable for anybody because if God can do it for us, he can do it for them because he's no respecter of persons. So that brings up a great uh, point. And, you know, when I grew up in a, in a household, we, we believed in Jesus Christ, but we didn't go to church until I was 11 years old. I actually had a, a girl that invited me to Sunday school. Uh, it was the same place that we were involved in Boy Scouts. And I was like, let's go. And then we actually all started going to this United Methodist Church when I was 11 years old, got baptized when I was 14, then got confirmed literally in the same month, uh, which was kind of a wild experience when you have young kids getting baptized. But when I started to do that, Christianity, in my mind, was, was, the, was the way to go, right? And this is what I'm talking about from an overall viewpoint. I've never seen in my entire life how Christianity has now been attacked, right? And you look in the Bible that this is going to happen, and it's how you react to that. You guys are at a time right now where, A, opioid addiction is at the highest ever. Um, it's, it's a huge issue, and it does not um, uh, choose who it is. Rich, poor, white, black, doesn't matter. It'll affect you, and it will kill you. Then you also have Christianity being attacked as well as, is that the way? Is that, is there a Jesus Christ? Oh, yeah. So you guys have two things that you're ta tackling right now. I would love to hear from you what experience you have bringing people in and how are you taking on that challenge where some people believe that, you know, Jesus Christ is not the way. And I would love to have your personal experience on that. Oh, my personal opinion was I was an atheist before. I did grow up in a church and I grew up uh, with pastors who would stand behind pulpits and say, hey, we love you. But when things started to go awry in our homes, when everybody found out my father was, in fact, an alcoholic and uh, the divorce came on, 
uh, my life really kind of roller coastered after that because when they divorced, I would love to tell you that the church showed up and they gathered around us and deacons and pastors were praying for us, but nobody talked about it. They just kind of pushed it under the rug. Uh, when I was 10 years old, my father would be registered as a sex offender and I was not told by a deacon or a pastor or members of the church what this meant. I was told by my uncle, which I love him very much, but he told me in a very uh, point blank way, hey, your father's a registered sex offender. You won't see him again without supervised visitation. Ten years old, I really needed somebody there to comfort me. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He comforts me. How does he do that? He uses his people. Well, his people didn't show up. So the for the very longest time, I had this um, hate towards God because he was misrepresented by his people. Now coming into 2020, we see, you know, the Word of God being revealed that people are going to turn away from it. You know, they're going to be lovers of self. Look at Second Timothy. They're going to be treacherous, boastful, uh, swole up with pride. We see God's Word living out, and we get to also see God's Word living out that He is still faithful even when we're not. So what happened to me was the gospel was uh, shared with me by a man who was faithful to God uh, for the most part. I responded to it. I got out of jail. Uh, and then I noticed that the church is just a church full of people who are failures. They're not perfect, but they believe in one who is perfect. So that's what we try to show these guys, and we try to show the unbelievers. Listen, if these guys leave our farm or our program and they haven't responded to the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's not because it's not been presented to them correctly in its entirety that, that God calls us to change. He calls us to be different. He calls us to repentance. And it's the kindness of God that draws us to repentance. He loves us so much that He doesn't want us to be the same old person that we were prior to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. He draws us out of that. He calls us to be uh, a new person. The old man dies, the new one comes. So now we're in this battle where you have secular world views on addiction and you have biblical world views on addiction. And I'm just going to lay it out there. We see more success through ours just in our staff just because all of our staff are recovered addicts than I do in any secular program because I've seen them all. I've went to them all. I've tried every avenue. I did not want it to be God, and he did not care what I wanted. He pursued me. He constantly bugged me. He threw his name in my face through other people. I would hear the gospel, not just the one time, but I'd heard it my whole life. But then I saw that it's not God's people that I'm wanting to be faithful anymore. It's God that I'm trusting to be faithful. And for whatever reason, they would rather it be this bottle of water to be the answer than Christ because the way that the church has misrepresented God for the longest time. And it's, you know, it's, it's disheartening to see sometimes, but then to get to see these guys' testimonies that come through our program. we got a young man right now named David. He was born of a rape. Uh, his mother set him up for adoption. He was adopted by a woman who thought that's what she needed in her life was a kid and then she would feel satisfied, but she wasn't. So he kind of was raised by the streets. He uh, got affiliated with a gang, uh, became a gang member, ended up going to prison, 17, 18 years old. Uh, Christ, in his faithfulness, pursued him into the prison, revealed himself to him. He laid down his flag. He stopped gangbanging in the jail. And then after he did, a domino effect happened. Other men started laying down their flag. I know the Holy Spirit's real. I know that God is real. I know that Jesus is with us. I know that he stands for us. I know he fights for us. How do I know this? Because everything that we have been able to accomplish in this ministry and the other ministries that we are over are not possible in the natural. 
We shouldn't be where we are. We shouldn't be on the property that we're on. We shouldn't be doing what we're doing. None of us are qualified in the natural to do what we do. But supernaturally, God's going to get some credit because he's going to use people just like us to do what he does. Wow, that's powerful. And I want to turn this over, you know, with Matthew. Uh, uh, we have the pleasure of, of having your wife on our staff here. And, and although she's only been here around six months, we consider her family uh, when people come in, we always make it uh, the statement like we got to hire the right people, but we're not just hiring somebody to be an employee. We're hiring somebody to come into our family. And it's been amazing to uh, to have Lindsay on our team. I want to know uh, a little bit about your story. And and I know it's been a struggle. And I know the last year you've worked your butt off to make uh, the life that you have for yourself. Now you guys have a new home that's being built and it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Tell us your journey. And honestly, tell us the advice that you can give people that might be struggling with the exact same issues. Well, I've struggled with alcohol uh, mainly for the last 16, 17 years of my life. Um, I went to my first rehab when I was 24 years old, and I'm 39 right now. Um, but I, you know, I struggled with it before that happened. I went to, over the last 16 years, I've been to 14 rehabs i've been to secular i've been to you pay for it i've been to free i've been to nonprofit. i've been to faith-based i've been to all of them and um you know most recently well let me go back uh lindsay and i we we started dating like seven years ago seven or eight years ago and um when we met you know i was sober i was doing well that's that's who she thought i was but i was living a, a double life you know um, i didn't tell her um, everything about myself because I was still in denial a little bit. I wanted to hide it. Um, I didn't want to admit certain problems and issues that I had. I was embarrassed by it. And, you know, fast forward seven years, um, you know, I was at my, at a program right before I came to ground 40 and I left early and I was homeless in Daytona beach for a week during, during bike week, actually. It was it was awful, and um, the last straw was I woke up in the back of a of a box truck, um, covered with sand and and rats and all kinds of stuff. Didn't know where I was. I was out coming out of a drunken stupor, and I was like, I've got to get help. My fam, I have a wife, I have a son back in North Carolina. What am I doing? What am I doing? And and that was that was a predecessor. That was the first time that in a long time that I had actually spoken to God. And um, and just cried out for help, and uh, I I was able to stumble to a Red Cross and and I um make it to a, a VA medical center, and um and get back to North Carolina and get into the Ground Forty program. Um, I came in in March of last year, and uh, you know Lindsay and I we were had been separated for over a year, and uh, we were just a couple signatures away from divorce and our family unit being separated forever. And when I got to ground 40, I, I met Wes and, and, um, you know, we spoke and he was asking me about my, about my situation and what was going on. And, um, I told him, you know, I have, I have a beautiful wife. I have a beautiful son. You know, I don't want to live the way that I've been living. And he told me the answers in Jesus Christ. And, um, you know, like Wes before, I didn't know what I believed. Uh, years ago, I had I, I didn't believe in anything. I didn't believe in myself. I didn't believe in in anything of this world or supernatural at all. I was just I was just done for. And um, and he 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 expressed that hope in Jesus Christ. 
and one thing led to another. Um, I just, I just wanted to see my son, you know, I thought it was totally done. If you would ask my family, Lindsay's family, our friends, um, there was no way, no possible way, uh, for our relationship to work. And, um, and what we want and what God wants is two totally different things. And, and, um, he, uh, he, he was looking down on us saying, well, watch, watch what happens. And, um, I, you know, I was, like I said, I wanted to see my son. I just figured my mom would bring him out to the farm. And my mom said, well, why don't you call Lindsay? And, um, you know, I think she might want to bring him out there. And so I called her, and to my surprise, she did. And she brought him out there. And about the second time that she came out, uh, Wes comes walking up, and he obviously knew our story, and, and he kind of, you know, interviewed and, and said, you know, we can offer counseling. I can counsel y'all. You know, I don't know what your relationship looks like. I don't know if it's just going to be co-parenting. I don't know if it's going to be restoration. And um, so we started doing counseling um, with Wes once a week. And, you know, fast forward a year, you know, I'm coming up on a year sober. Um, I am back together with my wife and my son. I wake up every morning and take him to school in the morning. I'm a dad. I'm a husband. Um, we are building a house. Um, I mean, it, when I, sometimes I don't, I can't even believe what's going on in my life. It's, uh, it's surreal. It really is surreal. Um, cause we don't have enough time here, you know, to talk about every, everything bad that's happened. And that's not what we want to focus on anyways. We want to focus on the restoration that God can provide in our lives. And it's amazing. Wow, man. <clears throat> Congratulations. Yeah, congratulations. Uh, I'm really happy for you and for Lindsay and everyone involved. Um, I'm really curious, like, so we've heard your backgrounds, and, uh, man, you guys have come a long way. Uh, congrats. I, I don't know what else to say, but in that regard, like, what does it look like when someone makes up their mind and says, man, I need help, and they come to you all? How does the process begin? Uh, where does it where does it go, and what are these days in Ground 40 look like? So we'll start from the beginning. Uh, like you said, there's half of the Ground 40 crew here. The other half are our community guys, uh, Greg and Bobby, and then our intake guy uh, is is Cody. Cody Honeycutt came to the program as well uh, on his last leg. You know, his family was at the same, same turnpike. Uh, whichever direction they would go would would create in them for what eternity looked like. And Cody cried out to the Lord uh, a year after he had overdosed in front of his daughter. They are now having, they had their third child. They're back together. They're married. And now Cody does the intakes. These people get our information from whichever uh, way they do get it by word of mouth, through Facebook, through our website, through uh, hearing a testimony of one of our other guys at, at some of the places that we get to go and speak. And then they call us. That's what we offer the thirst quenchers for as well. It's not just for the family. We're at a limited space for these guys. You know, we house from 26 to 36. When we start getting over the 26 number, it's because we're putting in bunk beds in places that we shouldn't be putting in bunk beds because we are a nonprofit and we don't charge these people to come in. So what we try to do through the thirst quenchers is says, hey, you can't make it to the inpatient part of it, I guess is what you'd call it, to stay at the farm and become a live-in disciple, then we want to make sure that we can provide a place for you to meet us outside. 
So they do call our farm. They call our intake number. They get in touch with Cody. They fill out applications. They do on-the-phone interviews, and Cody then calls them for an in-person interview if possible. If they're not incarcerated or if they're local, they get to come to the farm, meet Cody, walk around with us. We kind of have an open-door policy um, where – you know, whatever happens, whatever's going on that you can just pull up on our property. We got nothing to hide. Most most facilities, uh, they want you to come up after they've cleaned up, and we're just like, it is what it is. We are who we are, and in Jesus' name, we're going to try to present him uh, glorified, uh, him crucified, him resurrected, uh, no matter what time you come up. So um, then they get into our program for 120 days. We try to teach these men practical applications. Hey, get up at 7 o'clock. Hey, make your bed up. Hey, brush your teeth. Hey, wash your face. Hey, clean your area up. Those are the practical parts. How does spirituality click into it? How does a relationship with the Lord click into it? From 7.45 to about 10 o'clock, we teach these guys biblical application. We walk through Scripture with them, and then we give them uh, realistic ways to then apply this to your life. Uh, how do I apply this scenario to my life? Well, we go out and do community service. Hey, we just take care of ourselves here at the farm. We do inwardly focus. We do outwardly focus. We look at the heart. We see what the problem is in the first place, why people were led to addiction in the first place was because of their separation from God. He created us with this void in us. I know that's uh, cliche, but he did. He created us with this longing for him, and the enemy, as cunning as he is, has created counterfeit things in this world that kind of feel super super spiritual sometimes. I don't know if you ever got high off anything, whether it be alcohol or methamphetamines. It creates a surreal feeling inside of you that is supernatural feeling because the enemy has convened such a way for us to do this. Uh, so then we show these guys what it really looks like to get high on the Most High, what it looks like to get high on the Holy Spirit, what it feels like to be absent of of this worldly things and sometimes the depression and anxiety and the guilt and the shame and the fear that come with it. We show them that there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear. So how does that happen? Uh, we trust in the Lord with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our mind, and then we walk it through with these guys. We show them what real trust looks like. How do we do that? Because we're stupid. Listen, we try our best not to suck sometimes, but right now we're starting a Saturday night church that's not going to be addiction-based because the gospel's much bigger than addiction. And these guys get to watch us put our faith in the Lord, and they get to join us in these things. They get to be a part of things that are growing constantly. We went from 12 guys in March, 14 guys when Matt come in, and then we bounced up to 40 guys in a year. And to house these guys where it would be unfeasible to the natural eye, God made a way. Then we started outgrowing our transitional houses. What happens? There's a lady whose nephew came to the program who rents houses, and she says, I want to make these houses ground 40 houses. So now we're in the process of rezoning those things, things that are not supposed to be, God's calling them to be, and these guys get to watch this practically unfold in front of their eyes. Uh, And then the aspect of of the Holy Spirit being in control of all these things. Man, if we had talked about this last year, I'd have told you we're going to house 12 guys and we got one transitional house. And now we're trying to get into Lancaster right now. We're still in the process of getting some properties down there. But in in our way of going to Lancaster, God opens a church up on Saturday night that needs our help, that needs a good reputation. And God has equipped us with a word. Matthew's Matthew's our uh, worship leader. Dude, God's put songs in him that are... Matthew Presley. Matthew Presley. Dude uh, has got words coming out of him that line up with Scripture. He just doesn't write songs because they're catchy. He, He writes songs because they're doctrinally correct and 
then God gives him melodies and he's given him somewhat of a decent voice and he's not <laughs> he's not he's not the ugliest guy in the world um so <laughs> No, he's a good-looking guy. Yeah, he's a good-looking <laughs> guy. If, right? I, if I could add just something there. Um, in talking about the farm, uh, I think Scott said it earlier, you know, and also Wes said it, uh, addiction doesn't discriminate. No. And, and uh, people, we get guys from all walks of life. Um, Wes's story is much different than mine. Um, and the next guy's story is much different. And But it's all, you know, wrapped around the same thing. But while the guys are on the farm, we provide uh, uh, tangible aspects to their life. You know, we help to give them a hand up in life. Um, not do just, uh, hope in Jesus Christ, but you know, we have five guys that are getting their high school diploma right now. Um, we help them with, if they need glasses, we help them with clothing. They don't need anything no. when they come to our farm. We are so supported by our community. It's amazing. Um, what, what we are able to do on a monthly basis for these men at our farm, um, you know, food is provided, housing is provided, clothes are provided, toiletries are provided, every single thing that they need, they, they are able to obtain it um, through us. And, and we, we like to be able to do that to kind of give them a push uh, for when they do graduate the program, they go to a transitional house, you know, they, they can go to one of our transitional houses, pay a low weekly rent to try to save some money you know, um, and, and get a foot in this world and, and establish who they are and, uh, and start giving back when, when they're out of the program. So transitional houses from your program to the transitional house back into yes. the real world or society right. kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. I got a question. So we have, um, we've had a couple people on our, our podcast, Barton Noonan with West Boulevard Ministry, um, speaking about addiction. And I think 10 years ago, if uh, let's say, you know, I'm a parent, I have a teenager 10 years ago, uh, I find out that he is addicted to uh, heroin, right? Um, most of the time, oh, oh my God, what are people going to think about me? You know, what's the community going to think? We got to keep this hidden. Yeah. Right. Well, what has that done is it's just made it worse, yes, right? Absolutely. So then 10 years forward, what is your advice to not only parents and look, you're not going to, if you're a parent, just because your, your son or daughter becomes addicted does not mean you're a bad parent. Oh no. Right? It doesn't mean you're bad. But what is huh. what I have a two year old or almost two year old boy. I have another boy coming in June. And honestly, the things that keep me up at night is that what is the, what is going to be the thing I can't control that is going to affect my son? And is it fair? Probably not. But the reality is, is I'm going to work as hard as I can to give my son the life to follow Jesus Christ and hopefully put him in a position to make great decisions when he's older. But what advice do you give to people that need to either they have a son or a daughter that's addicted? What, 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 what is that advice? Like, what, what can we be doing as a community to, to notice it and then get them in touch with you guys and, and, and all of that? I just would love to see kind of your road path to that. Okay. I want to, well, let's go. Let's go. Well, it's two different things you got there. You got kids who haven't become addicts yet and they very well could be on their path. And how can we prevent that? And then the stigma with those who have uh, come to the realization that their kid is an act, active addiction. So let's go with the first one. Let's be preventative about it. Um, Social media, social anything has kind of taken over conversations in the house now. So when our kids do come home and they are uh, intoxicated, inebriated, or they're uh, in active addiction and we don't notice, uh, that is our fault. That is our fault. We live in a world right now where we talk to our kids via text. We don't have personal relationship with them. Uh, you see a family gather around the table to eat 
uh, dinner, man, that's unheard of. We don't really know our children. We know what they like. We know what keeps them quiet. We know what keeps them busy. We know that it helps them get good grades. But to have a personal relationship with our kids, that's not really going to happen anymore. You have a father who comes home because he's worked a hard day and he feels justified in sitting in a recliner yelling at his kid who's upstairs playing Fortnite or texting him saying, hey, did you get your homework done? Instead of walking into his room and say, hey, show me your homework. I mean, this is the things that can prevent those is really knowing our kids. Whether they're going to go into addiction or not, I don't know. But we can, we can obviously catch the signs as soon as they first start appearing. First thing we got to learn how to do is have a personal relationship. You'll never teach anybody to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ unless they can have a personal relationship with anybody else. Why? Because he's invisible. He has invisible attributes. It's hard. I get it. So we show them the first half to personal relationships with each other. Okay, you're a parent who does have personal relationship and you find out your kid is high. You don't need to blast it on Facebook, but you don't need to keep it in the closet either. You don't need to tell everybody, but you need to tell somebody. First place you need to go to is your church. If you're connected with the church or affiliated with the church, you need to go to your pastor or a deacon and say, we need help. And don't stop knocking on that door till you get help. If they don't know, who cares? They'll find somebody who does. Bother somebody. Reach out to facilities and say, hey, man, my child's having problems. We need to do an intervention. Best part about intervention is the family gets to come around the person who is uh, who is being interviewed in these things and saying, hey, we know you got a problem. We're here to support you. But here's what that support looks like. You don't offer them their way. You offer them your way and you draw a line, a very hard line, not in the sand. You put it in concrete. You say, this is what it's going to look like. We're going to support you through this, but you're not going to live here if you're going to keep doing that. You're going to go somewhere else. Then you find places like Ground 40 and you say, hey, I need your help. Then you find places like thirst quenchers and say, hey, we need to come be a part of it. The issue is, is the parents don't think that they need to show up for these meetings. Now, they need to show up, too. I mean, we're all to blame for this. Our lack of responsibility uh, does not does not cause us to not be responsible. Just because we don't want to take responsibility doesn't mean it's not our fault sometimes. Sometimes in the households where parents are drinking alcohol and we lower the standard, and they see us doing it because it's legal, we lower that standard for those kids because, come on, let's face it, the government, the country wants every kind of drug to be legal. I mean, we're trying to legalize pot here. We're lowering the standard. We're lowering the standard so that everything's okay. And it's not. We need to show our kids that, listen, you're coming home drinking a beer, you might think it's okay right now, but you don't know what becomes a stumbling block for them. So when they grow up and they go to a frat party when they're 18, 19 years old and they're drinking beers, everything's okay. What comes along with that in the college setting or any kind of setting is pot, heroin, methamphetamines. Hey, I got some pills from my doctor. Well, your doctor gave them to you. They must be okay. We've brought this on ourselves because we lowered our standards in our home. We need to teach our kids that this is not the way. This is not the path. This is not okay. You know what? Daddy's sorry. We're going to start a new walk right now today. Dad's not going to drink no more. I mean, it's the simple little things. My father, it was okay for my father to drink with his buddies until he became an alcoholic. But then he was banished. <laughs> then he had this, this stigma over his head. Well, now it's not cool anymore because he can't control it. Well, how do you know you can control it until it takes you over? You don't. Right. The, sti- the stigma thing also is um, I think I see a shift upward as far in, in society as far as the anonymous thing and the stigma associated with alcoholism drug addiction um you can't keep it anonymous you have to 
you have to let people know about it. I mean, um, if you have, if you're a diabetic, it's not like you go to Diabetics Anonymous and keep it quiet, right. you know, um, it, it has to be talked about. It has to be society has to, I mean, and I think that is trending upwards just with the opioid crisis that we've had over the last five years, um, st- new statistics on alcoholism and everything. Um, it's out there, whether you want to look at it or you don't want to look at it. And pretty much every person in the country in some way or another is affected by addiction. Absolutely. And that's just it. Yeah, Absolutely. So before we kind of wrap this up, I think the biggest and most important thing is, is, is how can people get help? How can they get in touch with you? What is the best way to do that? And also, if you are a business owner, if you're a leader, if you're looking for a nonprofit to support, we really recommend learning about Ground 40. They need financial support. They need the help around there. And if you give that to them, then more people will be better. And we always talk about this. People try to have this view that, oh, it's the nation. It's this. Worry about your home. Worry about your neighborhood. Worry about your community. And these guys at Ground 40 are doing that. And if you guys can support Ground 40, then guess what? That's going to promote a better community for everyone and the community that we all love in in Charlotte and the the surrounding regions. So tell us quickly, um, not quickly, but tell us where where we can uh, we can find out more information and how can we get in touch with you? Here's what I would say. I would say go to go to our Facebook page and look at the testimonies that are coming through the because that's the one that's more social. Then you can find us on Instagram, but then you can go find us at our website, ground40.org. Uh, and if you have somebody who's struggling with addiction and you want to get them help, here's here's our phone number. It's 704-883-5185. That's 704-883-5185. Call there. Uh, it's a mobile link. Uh, you, you push the numbers. You get directed to the person you need to talk to. If you need somebody to pray with you, you can call that number and have somebody will pray with you right now. If you got a kid and they don't want help, but you want them to find help, you call that number and somebody will pray with you. They'll intervene for you because that's what they've done for me. Somebody prayed for me. Somebody's praying for you right now. Probably whoever's listening to this podcast, somebody's intervening for you. They're standing in the gap for you right now. And sometimes that's just what we need. We need to, we need to know that there's somebody there for us. And for the moms out there, uh, there's, a, there's a ministry under the umbrella of Ground 40 called Mom to Mom. Your kid's incarcerated. He's in heavy addiction. He's in active addiction, whatever it looks like. We have a group of ladies who meet together, some of them who have lost children to addiction, some who have seen their kids recover, and they come together and they support one another, and they say, hey, this is what it's got to look like. They speak the truth. They speak the truth in love, and then they share the hope. That's what we do. Wow, guys. <laughs> you guys thank, I, thank you very much. Yeah, thank Absolutely. you. I appreciate yeah. you guys Thanks opening up. Us. Thank you Keep for sharing. Your, yeah. yeah, thank you for sharing your stories. Um Honestly, it's not. You guys might think it's 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 easy to do. It's hard to do. I don't really know. Uh, but at the same time, I'm appreciative of it, right? And I think that's what really helps people is opening the book. And if you've gone through struggles and you haven't found Jesus Christ, th- these are great examples of what can happen when you do. Let me let me throw one more thing out here on this. Since you just asked businesses for help, financial support's always helpful. Um, we always need toothbrush, toothpaste, deodorant. This is. Not really toothbrushes right now because we get about 2,000 of them. <laughs> but we always need these little simple things that nobody thinks that we need. But another thing that we could also use besides financial support because we bring these guys in for free is companies that are willing to give our guys a chance. When we're trying to get these guys back into good jobs, yeah. into beneficial jobs, to where they're not you know, making $10 an hour and they have to go back to that criminality lifestyle because they just can't afford to live, uh, we need businesses. We have businesses in Union County, Indian Trail, and in Charlotte who hire our guys. And I'm going to tell you what, these guys work. 
mm-hmm. for their reputation. They work to get back integrated into society. They work for their family. These guys work, and they are hard workers. Like, I'd put my guys 10 to 1 against most people who haven't had to go through the same struggles because uh, now they have something to prove. Yeah. I am different. Christ has saved me. Now I, I do all the works that I can for the glory of God. It's just cool to watch these guys get jobs, and then the owners call us and say, hey, man, I'm going to give this guy a raise if it's okay with you. <laughs> yeah, like, sure. But I'm like, yeah, sure, give him a raise, man. So that's just awesome. really cool to watch. That's awesome. God bless y'all. And, and honestly, um, taking your addiction, turning it into something amazing, following Jesus Christ, I think you're an example for everybody that you, no man. matter how how bad stuff gets, you know, there is always an opportunity and there's always love. And Jesus Christ is there to have that for you. And and I love that. So if you are listening uh, to our podcast, please like, share, comment, go on the Facebook page, go on Instagram, follow Ground 40, go in and read some of their testimonials. And if you have a business and you're looking for people that are hardworking, hire them. If you have an organization you want to want to uh, group up with a nonprofit, Ground 40 is a great one. And they could definitely utilize all those resources. And really, really, the biggest point is if you're struggling with addiction or if you have people yeah, that yes. are struggling with addiction, please call them, uh, get in touch. And honestly, they gave you the number 704-883-5185. And honestly, you can get in contact with me and Scott as well. If you want to reach out to anybody on the Dunstan group, uh, like I said, Lindsay's on our team. We will get you in contact immediately. But thank you again. You guys have been amazing. Matthew, you, Wesley, guys. Matthew. Thank Thanks you guys so much. so much. Thank you. You've been listening to the Brand Builders Podcast, brought to you by the Dunstan Group with your host, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. For branded merchandise and apparel that makes first impressions and ones that last, check out the Dunstan Group at dunstangroup.com.